As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into Ant Waveland, the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, and we are here to talk to you about the Chicago Cubs. I feel like that is, um, it's like your parents telling you that they have some things serious to discuss with you. You know, I feel like I'm sitting all the listeners down right now and I'm like, hey guys, we really care about you. And we're here to talk to you a little bit about the Cubs. Uh, so, the Cubs are getting divorced from being competitive. No, it's it's early. I, you know, maybe maybe we'll start with. Um, well, I guess let me let me kick it off by just noting for those who like checked out and hadn't paid attention. The Cubs, of course, played this week in Milwaukee. Uh, although they were able to win the opener. Uh, it, which was a fun game, you know, it had the, the little, little bit of extra drama there with, or no, maybe I'm flipping the games, but the, the one that they won was, yeah, Mooney's giving me this. Yeah, my bad. Uh, they, Wilson Contreras hit a late home run after getting plunked again. The Cubs threw behind Brandon Woodruff. That, that is all interesting fodder for discourse, I think. The problem is they finished the series getting absolutely owned by Corbin Burns, although I have a feeling he's going to do that to a lot of people this year. Um, and they looked completely feckless, just totally and completely unable to muster anything resembling an entertaining baseball performance to close the series. Um, and it just makes it makes the other stuff feel so distant in memory. So that's, um, yeah, maybe then, then we'll get into like some of Jed Hoyer's comments. But uh, let's start just with that. Do you guys any you want to want to share any thoughts on first? Let's keep it fun. I. I got a positive. Yeah, dude. Yes, please. I got. I got a positive. My God, please. Majority yes. of teams in baseball stink. Baseball, yeah. <laughs> every it's team true. stinks this yeah. year. There's no team that's running away unless you're the Dodgers or if you believe in the Red Sox. All these teams stink right now. The Cubs are like basically in the like they're lucky to be five and seven. If you've actually watched this team, I think they're extremely lucky to be five and seven. Uh, 
but that's pretty much where everyone is. Everyone's a, between like five and seven and seven and five or something like that. There's no team running away in the central. I don't think that's ever going to happen in this in this division. Uh, but I, I I'll end my positivity by saying that <laughs> this could get ugly quickly for the Cubs if if they don't start showing some semblance of fight on offense because it's it's gotten to the point where uh, the statistics are kind of laughable. Uh, there, there are so many different things, and uh, Patrick and I are both working on this now, but just so many different numbers you can dive into. I, I, I'm almost like, uh, I feel like overwhelmed trying to figure out what path to take at times because it's like, well, if you look at this, this is god-awful, and then you look at how they're doing this, this is among the worst in baseball. And and uh, in particular, I feel it's it's really hard to look at it's hard to watch his at bats at times, and it's hard to look at his statistics. But Javier Baez is not. I know he's hit some balls hard and in and into the stands a couple times, and that's always a good sign. And he had a decent series against the Pirates in Pittsburgh. But oof, oof, man, some of these numbers when you talk about him swinging and missing, and it's not chasing. Don't don't get confused. Just because he swings at those ugly pitches doesn't mean he's chasing more than normal. He's actually chasing less than ever before. Uh, he's just swinging and missing a lot. He's not making any contact, and it's too. It, it's a really extreme. It's to the point where it's like, did I see? I don't know what's going yeah, so on. Yeah, so how did I see? And I don't know if you've yeah. started looking into this enough to see the number, but I feel like I read in a recent Fangraphs piece. Kevin Goldstein put together a piece on Javi's woes as of a few days ago, and it was something crazy like he has swung his his whiff rate on all fastballs this year was something like 70%. It was just some number that is it that high. I, I hadn't looked at specific pitches. He's, I mean, just in general, his, his whiff rates are, I mean, his contact rates on pitches in the zone are extreme. It's like 50, like, 50 in the zone. Yeah. It's yeah. Just in the zone. He's just not, he's, he's far and away last in baseball. So it's a, it, let me see if I can find the exact number, but it's, I mean, it's terrible. I'll just say that. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> it's not, it's not a good number and it's not something uh, you'd, you'd be, you'd be happy Dude, to see. We couldn't, I don't have it. In we front couldn't of even get to one full baton pass around our little trio of people <laughs> before we were like, and also this has got awful and this and, what's the the um because i was just looking at the google doc give our listeners the stat on like teams pitching team pitching staff batting averages as compared to the cubs (laughs) yeah no is it still bad oh god at the moment (laughs) so there so people have pointed out there are a bunch of pitchers hitting better than the cubs right but there are team pitchers, not not just individual pitchers, but five teams. Oh, no. Their pitchers as a collective have a better batting combined batting average than the Cubs team batting average. The Cubs are batting 163. Five teams, their collective pitchers have better batting average than 163. That's I mean that I know it's early in the season. I know that's not a lot of at bats, but that's messed up. That's not that's not acceptable. That, Can I do one of <laughs> All right, since maybe maybe we'll get these out of our system. Can I do one of those like you know hilarious yeah, numbers it. it is to me. So, note that we're recording this today, Thursday. It's an off day for the Cubs. So they will not play today. A number of other teams will play today. So keep that in mind when I uh mention this statistic which will only get worse by the end of the day. So, right now the Cubs have 59 hits on the season. Uh normally we don't focus on a counting stat like that, but it's been so sort of hilariously small that it's hard not to notice it. 
Uh, so at 59 hits, the Cubs right now have fewer hits than the Reds, Red Sox, Dodgers, Astros, White Sox, Angels, Twins, and Cardinals have runs. That's right. Those teams <laughs> all have more runs on the season than the Cubs have hits. Yikes. <laughs> We're going to have to add oh, that man. one to I the mean, file. All these That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. You, can, <laughs> you can find that and other doom-laden tweets at Bleacher Nation <laughs> on Twitter. I think uh, I, I think Deshays made this point. Jim Deshays made this point on the on the broadcast. Maybe Boog did, but either either way, it's it's a good point in that we don't lean on batting average, right? We we it's not always the best statistic, but when it's this bad, it tells the story. Like all you can do a bunch of other stuff well when you're this bad with with the batting average. That's when it becomes a major concern. You can walk, you can hit for power. But if you're just if you're hitting 150, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. It, it, all those other things are are washed. Like you just put throw them in the garbage because you can't hit. Because we were on side of an hour on Slack this week, just kind of going back and forth, kicking around ideas for the off day. And I know for myself, sometimes you're just numb to like the Cubs' offense being bad. It's like we've watched the same episode over and over again. But you know, kind of the working title now is just like. The Cubs offense is even worse than you think because if I'm a fan, I'm turning off the broadcast. I mean, they've been completely non-competitive in like three or four games in the last week, and these games have looked a lot like the ones we've seen the last couple years. I mean, they're not like nowhere close to the second worst team in the majors in terms of their offensive profile right now. I mean, this is just just bad, and then, it, you know – they are more than aware of kind of the pressure on them this year and how how long we've been talking about this. Um, you know, I'd love to, in a pre-COVID time, get back in the clubhouse and like see who's breaking stuff. David Ross says they're not, um, but you know, you can, you can see some of the frustration as they're walking back back to the dugout. They're definitely you know carrying these last couple of years and the uncertainty about the future right now. Yeah, well, so speaking of that, um, I think that's a good place to transition to some things that um, Jed Hoyer said this week. And uh, Patrick, you wrote about it at The Athletic. And, um, you know, he he got into a lot of stuff. But among the gist of the more interesting comments are it's mid-April. We're not going to talk about the trade deadline right now. Totally fair. Correct response. That's It, it would be absurd for so many reasons for the Cubs to be laying those plans now because we know that these things can turn and then the sort of the competitiveness level of the team becomes a different question in May and sort of it just can change so rapidly. Um, but he made the point, not with respect to trade plans, but with respect, with respect to player performance. Um, and I thought this was very interesting that he was willing to say this in in early April, which is that for as bad as these guys have been in terms of the results so far, and for as much as you would want to say, well, it's a tiny sample, you throw it out, it's the same thing we would do if a guy was, you know, absolutely raking. We'd be like, well, you know, it's early, you can't project that out. He said, but the thing is, we didn't come into this season without any information. You know, we came into this season knowing potential certain issues uh, on the offensive side. It's things that we saw last year. And so you know, the implication was you can draw conclusions sooner 
than you might otherwise. And, and I think that that's kind of a point that we've been making on the outside as we observe. And so I, I don't know, I, I guess I appreciated that acknowledgement that it was like, I'm not going to just say it's early, even though it is, even though it's statistically just a tiny amount, there's so much noise. It depends on who you faced. It depends on a million things that don't really tell you true talent level, but we've had information for a long time. So we're going to get to those conclusions faster. And I think then it's maybe on us to do some extrapolating from that about what it's going to mean for the Cubs plans going forward. Yeah, I think the way I framed the question to him was, how do you kind of stay detached or not get too emotional when you know that everyone's going to be writing about the trade deadline when everyone's been talking about the future for so long? And I I do think Jed, uh, as well as Theo before him, gets some credit for just acknowledging the obvious. I mean, when you look at the way the Bears run their team, like people are banging their heads against their screens after listening to them talk nonsense, that it goes a long way when you just level with the fans. Are, real quick, you know? are the are the Cubs doing any collaborating? Just I just need to know if they're collaborating. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's one for the, our Bears listeners, but please, please continue. No, but I think um, you know, Jed is... Jed knows the situation. The players know the the situation, and there's really no point. I mean, I think we talked about this last podcast, right, Brett, of like David Ross saying everyone's on their individual journey, you know, not like we're all banding together in the World Series. It's, you know, David Bodie wants to prove he's an everyday player or whatever, you know, that narrative thread is. But, you know, I think it's important um, if you're running a major league team and – want the benefit of the doubt and want some credibility with your fan base is to just, you know, acknowledge what our eyes are telling us really for years. And it's probably to, you know, I hope they're not listening, like almost to like a fault in terms of like, you know, Theo saying our offense broke. That was almost a thousand days ago. And we're still dredging that (laughs) quote up because it still fits. And it's still the perfect summation uh, of this team and where they're at. And it's it's still the same group, yeah. you know. We I, I know I don't want to criticize this group up because it takes two to tango as far as as far as making the deal. But maybe they maybe they should have been more aggressive and taken what they thought were lower offers than, or it, you know, two years ago rather than you know prior to. Obviously, everything got thrown in the air with the the pandemic. But prior that winter prior, there's. There should have been more aggressiveness. Maybe they should have just taken what they could have with with certain players. I it's a it's a really rough situation right now. Where right now I think we're you know I think Patrick uh, hit this on the head with with what he was writing. But it's all you know. Can they recoup any value come July? Can they can they get anything uh, this summer and and make this. <laughs> make this look you know somewhat salvageable because i think it, it it's just i think maybe part of that is uh, for me at least uh, I, I i'm having trouble knowing what they have for the future without a minor league season so maybe that's part of it maybe i'm being too critical in that sense but i don't know i like there's no reason to have a ton of optimism for the future so when people say well they have a plan here and 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 they're trying to rebuild a restructure or whatever it is uh they're not doing we have no evidence that that's going well either we have no no real evidence to point to and say well here you can point to this and say 
okay, come 2022, 2023, I know these guys, I, these guys are all headed for, you know, top 10 prospects or whatever. There's nothing you can kind of grasp, grasp onto and, and feel good about it, In my opinion, there's, there's a very small handful of players that I would say deserve to be part of the future of, of the, of the team, but also even those positives like feel like they're just there's not not a lot of substance to it. I, I mean, think about I I feel bad for David Ross. I kind of put him on the spot before the the Milwaukee series and said, "Give me some positives for the offense. Is there anything you can kind of cling to as manager?" And he gave and he was honest and he and he gave the the few that he had. And one of them was David Bodie, who's hitting the ball, who was hitting the ball hard. And then he went and out and had a terrible series, just an awful series against the Brewers. Like every single time he came up in a big moment, he's he whiffed poorly. I think his strikeout rate jumped significantly from like, you know, pretty solid, like 12.5 percent. Now it's 20 something percent. So just, you know, I mean, just three games. That's what's going to happen this year. I mean, at this point in the season, uh, numbers, statistics change drastically quickly. But that's just, you know, he can't. It, it's just a, I almost feel bad in the sense that he was right. David Bodie did have a lot of bad luck and David Bodie looked kind of solid at the plate, even though the numbers were awful, but he, you know, and now they're just, now you can't even point to that. Like the one of the few positives, it's like, yeah, I don't think this guy's that bad. Well, he just had a terrible series and, and cost you a few runs because he had poor at bats. And now, now you don't even have that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. I, I think, you know, um, Something I've been thinking a lot about as it relates to how poorly the offense has performed this year and, and in performed in general, what preceded Theo Epstein's comment that they were broken and that obviously has been followed by two and a half years of staying broken. And I think that what we're going to find when we go back as either fans or as writers or as evaluators and we look at what happened? Because I think a lot of us are going to keep asking, and I get this all the time. It's like, how was this offense so good in 2016 and 2017 with the same, you know, a lot of the same players? How were they so good? And then they've gotten so bad. It's not like they all got old at once. You know, how did they all peak at 24? And then, and I think there is something to that, that at an, at an individual level, maybe there were some guys that just had earlier peaks. That's, that's a thing. Um, I think there's something to the commentary that the Cubs weren't great at developing guys at the big league level institutionally. I think there's something to that. A, a third big chunk that I don't know that we've ever discussed, um, but I think is going to become a big talking point, is that it's also possible that the Cubs constructed a group that was really good for 2016-2017 pitching style. And this, the pitching side of baseball has changed so dramatically and so rapidly that they've got a bunch of guys who are low-key terrible at a higher velocity, higher four-seam, more breaking pitches. You know, the, the style of what a really good pitcher is now, particularly in bullpen deployment, where almost any team can, can construct a bullpen of those type of guys, maybe the Cubs just have a bunch of hitters who are especially bad against those types. And that's why you could see Javi's arc, for example, like what if it's explained that he's just seeing a lot more of that type of pitcher and he's gotten a little worse against them 
And so it's exponential. You know, the impact is exponential because he's gotten a little worse against it and he's seeing a lot more of them. It's just, so that's and, something I've been kicking around that. And you've lost the guys that actually did well against those players, right? Dexter's gone. And this isn't an argument to say, go, they should have re-signed Dexter. It's just that they <laughs> don't have those type of players anymore. Dexter, Ben Zobrist, even a, a guy like, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Miguel Montero was solid against that type of pitching. Uh, and now they've traded away Victor Caratini. I'm not saying Victor Caratini is the key to this offense. I'm just saying he was a guy that didn't struggle in those areas. Uh, just little things like that, from the bigger stuff to Dexter and Zobras to the smaller things, like your backup catcher just isn't as as good at those those skills anymore. Uh, it, it just, I think it adds up. Uh, and your point is, I, I didn't think of it in that fashion, Brett, as well, that not only are they not good at these types of things, but the game changed so much over this span that it's exposed even more. So it's a, that's, that's an interesting point that maybe they, they, because they were behind the, the game in that sense, right? They didn't jump on that trend either with their pitching staff and, and their development philosophies. Uh, so they were behind in that area. So they were behind to react on it with their offense. And that's, that's tough. That right there, that's a great point, and that's tough to swallow. I think for fans, when you guys write the definitive treatment of that later <laughs> this summer, just be like, "I'm a good friend, Brett, very handsome writer at BleacherNation.com, came up with this this theory." So, I, I think you're onto something, Brett. I've been thinking of that with like the uh, rules changes and stuff they've been been talking about as well, and. I remember talking to Ben Zobers at Dodger Stadium. I forget which year it was, but he was talking about how the Dodgers were just a particularly tough matchup and the, their style of pitching and how they would attack their lineup. And it seems like now everyone does that. I mean, that's just kind of like a conventional approach to pitching. And while 2016 isn't that far back in time in the grand scheme of baseball, I mean, in modern baseball, though, it, it seems like an eternity – and I mean, this is kind of a cheap shot, but I mean, like pitching is so easy, like the Cubs are developing it at the big league level. You know, I mean, like the advantages have turned so far in one direction that, you know, I, I do wonder if like the Cubs are going to like figure something out on the pitching side and then like the rule changes are going to change and they're going to have no <laughs> nothing coming behind it. Dude. That's Getting way far down the rabbit hole. I know. I've, I've so had that same thought. I'm like, they're going to like finally, you look at the farm system too. It's like, oh, power arms. We know how to develop them now. We know how to take better risks in the draft, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Theo Epstein himself gets involved in MLB. So actually, we need to change a bunch of these rules. And I can just see like, you know, Jed's the one TPing Theo's house after this. Like, you asshole. How could you do this to me? Uh, right like the we'll three inning there. reliever we'll is so valuable right now you, if you can get three innings out of a power arm that's great right <laughs> if they're going to change rules enough that 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 goes back to like 80s 90s style right that suddenly it's like uh braylon marquez what do we do with him <laughs> it's like oh dear <laughs> he's gonna have to be able to go six or seven yeah um looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, okay. So want to get to emails here. We've got some really good ones, uh, including, let me get to this. Oh, by the way, if you want to email us, if you want us to read your emails, if you want us to read it when you call Mooney Gallagher, which a couple people did, and it's awesome. Appreciated. Uh, we're at wavelandathletic at gmail.com. Just send us those questions, comments, whatever you like. Uh, okay, first up, we got Julio from Costa Rica. See, we're international. That's that is like I, I think we're, there's probably some selection bias here because I, I've called it out when we've had international uh, listeners, so that it may be disproportionately attuned to sending in but i don't care because it's cool i like the idea that this is going around the world uh julio from costa rica i've been a cubs fan since 2012 and i've been listening to this podcast since before the pandemic started last year my question is what should we expect from the team now that they will face other national league teams you know besides the brewers and the pirates will we see a different strategy from ross toward their offenses now that they are uh that pitching is more powerful than in 2019 what's the expected bullpen usage for these games etc etc basically we haven't seen other teams since 2019 is what Julio's getting to. Does, does the fact that you, is it a help? Is it a hindrance? Does it matter at all that you have not seen some of these pitch? Like that's what gets to my head is I'm like, Cubs haven't seen these pitchers in two years or more for, for some of these guys. Does it matter? Does it make things harder? Does it make it easier for your own pitchers? I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I think, well, let me turn it over to you guys. I mean, off the top of my head, just thinking about it, I don't think strategy changes much as far as just because they're different teams. I think the strategy changes. I shouldn't say the strategies changes. The uh, Ross's idea of what the ideal lineup will change pitcher to starting pitcher to starting pitcher, right? Like this pitcher throws fastballs primarily in this part of the zone X percent of the time. These hitters have a type of swing that does well against that type of pitcher right that's that's what the thinking is it's not like okay they're playing the braves and they haven't seen the braves since 2019 the braves are this and and we need to come up with this strategy to counteract that it's just going to be pitcher to pitcher so i i wouldn't say that it uh, in general i think teams are better outside of the nl central there's a lot more good teams outside of the nl central it's going to be tougher for them uh, it's going to be tougher in the sense that I think the pitchers, the Cubs just have in general have a difficult time with pitchers they haven't seen in a while. Although right now, I, I don't even know if that applies. I think it's just everyone. They they struggle with everyone and everything. I think it may, I, I think the point, I think part of that is probably it's now a mental block uh, in, in some ways. Uh, and then and how they pitch guys. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I don't think you're going to see like a completely different strategy from, from David Ross with how he deploys the bullpen, how he uses his pitchers. Uh, I think in general, we don't know how he uses his pitchers pitching staff in a, in a normal season. And we probably won't know that until after next season. 
because uh, last year obviously is in a normal season. I don't think he's going to be pushing his pitchers like he did in a hundred in a sixty game season, in a normal one sixty two game season. And obviously this year is very weird. You wouldn't send down Adbert Alzali in a normal season at this point. But I get why they did it. They're they're going to be doing weird things with their with their pitching staff throughout the year. Uh, to try and lever like pull different levers as far as we need to get this amount of innings from this guy and and we'd like to find them at this point in time. So it's more about strategy overall in 2021 and just the weirdness of it all, I think. I would just give one quick shout out too to the Brewers and that uh, you know, a scout mentioned this to me kind of years ago that they have had a couple of coaches who've gone through the Cubs system and they do seem to do a really good job of game planning whether it's bringing over some concepts from the Cubs or just the way that they've collaborated with their front office and analytics department and gotten two really nice looking top of the rotation pitchers that the Brewers you know do seem to have the Cubs number I don't know if that really matters at this point with the the state of the offense but you know, Jake Garrietta was saying it yesterday like sometimes you just gotta tip your cap you know the Brewers have a nice club and that was certainly the case with Corbin Burns I mean and Brandon Woodruff in both his starts against the Cubs it's I don't know people don't like it when you say it's both things that the Cubs are really struggling and but also I know what baseball looks like. I can watch a guy pitch. I can watch a guy throwing a 97 mile mile per hour cutter with enormous lateral movement. And it's like, that's if he executes that pitch, that's Corbin Bird's cutter. If he executes that pitch, it's just unfair. It's an unfair pitch that no set of hitters on any team is going to be able to do much with. Again, if he consistently locates it and he has been, that's why he has what, he has a almost 50% strikeout rate this year and zero walks, not one. He's ridiculous. Uh, okay. So, uh, this next one I want to read and you're, you're going to get an answer kind of. So Adam sends us this, uh, email, uh, hello gentlemen. While I come to the podcast for the great Cubs expertise, I stay for the outstanding Bert ad reads. Uh, that'd be me, uh, each episode. So I, I wanted to especially read that because I got to tell you, Adam, it is. It takes a unique skill set <laughs> to both opine on the offensive state of the Cubs and eloquently describe the nature of one's uh, groin trimming habits. So, <laughs> just wanted to say I appreciated your appreciation, uh, Adam's. We're going to send Adam the uh, uncut version of the last Manscaped ad. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know what? Let me amend that. Let me amend that. That was Michael, our producer, sliding in because. The last Manscaped ad read, if I'm being completely honest, I butchered it. I know there's a lot of puns, by the way, and him saying, you know, cutting this, me saying butchered this. But but truly, I did a terrible job. And at the end of it, I'm just like, eh, Michael, you can cut this all up and like splice it all together, right? And make it fine. And he's like, yeah, sure. So who knows? Maybe it did. It must have turned out well. So kudos, kudos to you, Michael. Uh, all right. Adam's question is... Uh, about the trade market in terms of what a reasonable package would be in return for Craig Kimberl if he's peaking. And I'm going to cheat and say that we've got an answer for you, Adam, but it's at theathletic.com because it was your piece, right, Mooney? You wrote about trade. Okay, uh, go check it out. Mooney's got a recent piece this week on precisely that question about if and when it became a situation where the Cubs were shopping Craig Kimbrell, 
what does that look like in the current environment? So you, you appreciate the setup there, Adam, because you're allowing us to uh, get more, more folks over to theathletic.com. Uh, okay, last one is actually a similar question from two folks. So I'm going to bundle them together. Uh, and I'm, I'm hopeful that this one initially will be right up Sahadev's alley. Um, and okay, so we got Steve in Minnesota and we've got Sean, no location. I'm assuming he is from, uh, we'll go with Belize. So Sean from Belize <laughs> and Steve in Minnesota, essentially you're asking two versions of the same question. And it's this, we know that the Cubs have the pitch lab and we, we generally know what the pitch lab is. Um, how... What, what's the hit lab for the Cubs? Is there a similar setup where they can be using the data and technology, whether it's virtual reality, whether it's pitch recognition software, whatever it is, what can the Cubs be doing on the hitting side to help do some of the same things that they have been able to do for pitchers? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 different uh, and it's clearly uh, the the advancements and how to apply ineffective. Everything. It's clearly ineffective. <laughs> is that what you mean? Well, I, I want to say that they don't have, and I shouldn't. This is kind of league wide. In the, obviously, there are teams that do better than others, and more often than not, it's the Dodgers. They they just really know how to apply things and and ex, uh, you know extract the maximum talent out of certain players, uh, but. Essentially, it, the application of the technology is is what's uh, what's hard to figure out right now. But there is technology. There's there are these things called force plates, uh, which kind of tell you how much how much force it's uh, you know it's uh, at your feet, and I believe it's just the front foot that they use it for, but maybe both feet. Uh, and it just says how much uh, force you're putting on uh, when when you're taking your swing. There's cameras and everything, and and different types of. Uh, you know, things that you can wearables that can tell you how your body's moving during your swing, uh, where like the acceleration of the bat, uh, what the direction of the bat and, and, uh, you know, if it's an efficient swing and if it's through the zone and the proper, uh, for the proper amount of time, things like that. If you go back in December of 2019, you'll, there's a piece where I actually went through some of the stuff that Justin Stone and his, uh, hitting group uh, he's the director of hitting for the cubs player development staff and and i i kind of went through some of the like basically the initial steps that they take when they first get a player into the into the program and, and kind oh, of oh yes hey can i give you a plug i mean it because it's still good now you like went in there yeah. and did some of the stuff right and yeah, yeah. oh find that folks because it is it was a great read yeah i think if it, i think it's titled like sahade swings and then and then there's you know like some some other stuff in the title but i'm sure if you put that in in google and, and the athletic and justin stone you'll you'll find it, the you're piece. saying if we type in <laughs> if we google sahade swings you're telling me that uh <laughs> We're going to find articles on uh, hitting infrastructure. Is that right? Is that a Google Images search for uh, Sahadev Swings? uh, Maybe put some more specifics in there and (laughs) make sure we're talking about baseball. Uh, what else? Uh, the, uh, virtual reality. You mentioned that that is being used. Uh, there's something. Jeez. Uh, the uh, waffle makers. Um, waffle makers. Big part oh, of yeah. <laughs> important tech. Yes. There's, there's how sad is it? By the way, they busted. They busted out the waffle maker, and then they haven't got like it had to. It disappeared. It's, just, like, it's for gone. Four days it's gone. Completely unusable. Oh. Uh, there's uh, there's other stuff, and I'm I'm. Now I, I had it in my head, and I think the jumping into the Justin Stone stuff kind of uh, 
made me forget where what direction I was going. But yes, it's it's the hitting lab is different than the pitching lab. Uh, I think the key is they need to figure out. Uh, oh, I remember what it was, and I saw this at spring training, and I believe uh, it, I I was the only one at at the ballpark at the time at Sloan. Uh, I think they had a road game and I just decided to stick around and just write. And, and they brought out this giant pitching machine that looked like a robot almost. It looked like it was big and thick and like, and just like gigantic. I was like, what is this thing? And I took a picture of it and sent it to some, some people I know in the game. And, and it's basically, it's this new technology that, uh, that can throw, that can shoot a pitch gyro spin. Right. And, and they were basically, uh, trying to get all the, they were trying to uh, call. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They were trying to uh, collaborate, not collaborate, calibrate. Thank you, brain, for for, for pulling that word. Uh, they were trying to calibrate the machine while I was watching, and they were just shooting like, okay, this is four seam, and they did like uh, fifty of them or whatever, and they were like taking in the information. And I think I assume they're gonna they have started using that as a as a tool to to give hitters, uh, you know more more types of pitches to see and uh yeah so that's i mean different types of hitting machines but then there's basic stuff there's the fuzz machine which has been around forever which is just high velocity and the cubs need that i mean some of the numbers that patrick and i are going to put together for you guys on friday morning you'll see just how bad they are with fastballs and and it's we've been talking about it since 2020 this is a weird one for me still in the sense that they've been good at that that was a strength they hit velocity in the zone now they're not doing it and I don't know if they've gotten in their own heads, if, if they've gotten into bad habits. I don't know what's going on there, but that's something that they really need to try to hammer home all spring. And you don't need technology. You don't need like advanced technology for that. You just need to be willing to make some adjustments and, and put in the time uh, and and it should should work out. But I, yeah, there's there. There is a lot of stuff. I promise you the Cubs are trying a lot of different things and that they're not behind techno technologically. It's it's really hard to know until we see the results uh, if they're if the application is is right and and you know teams that do it well uh, sometimes it doesn't always sometimes tr- talent is the bottom line and and they may have the right coaches and development in in place and we won't know for another two three years because those guys are in the minors and and whatnot. All right, so thank you again, folks. Uh, like the emails, you know. I think as the season goes on, perhaps it will become even more true that we appreciate the opportunity to um, be exposed to different types of questions, things that we might not think of on our own that are uh, meriting discussion because we obviously get sucked into the games and sort of the flow of the season. And if it has only one type of direction this year, which it might, uh, it'll be really helpful to get those emails. So appreciate uh, all of you. Again, it's wavelandathletic at gmail.com. Send us those emails. and make sure to title it to Galagar, and we will get to it. Uh, so thank you, folks, for listening. Uh, like I said, it's off day Thursday today. Cubs open up with the Braves this weekend, and hopefully, at a minimum, give us a little something interesting to talk about uh, with you on Monday when we are back at you. So subscribe, rate, review, get us wherever you get your podcast. tell your friends, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have a good weekend.